Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the ninth episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. You can find more information on this book at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. Today, we'll be speaking with Josh Cerfoli. He is the Senior Director of Marketing and Digital Engagement at Georgia Aquarium. Josh directs all marketing, advertising, and interactive efforts for Georgia Aquarium. His responsibilities include the development and execution of all websites, digital properties, mobile apps, and digital media environments, which are designed to cultivate the highest quality user experience. He's proud of taking home uh, many awards, including Effie, Webby, Max, Digital Edge 50, and others over his 20 plus years of traditional interactive and database marketing experience. Prior to joining the uh, prior to joining Georgia Aquarium, Josh worked in the marketing departments of the Home Depot, Porsche Cars North America, and Porsche Financial Services. He earned his bachelor's degree in marketing from Michigan State University and earned his master's degree in communications from Purdue. He resides in Roswell, Georgia with his wife and their four children. Welcome, Josh. Hi, thank you for having me here. And I, I, I found this on the web. I kind of I kind of think, you know, that you got the wrong guy here because you were describing me for sure. You got somebody else's bio there. But uh, thank you for that, uh, that, that uh, wonderful introduction. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so good to have you. I, and uh, I must say, uh, you know, you've got four kids. They must think you are a rock star working at Georgia <laughs> Aquarium. I mean, it must be awesome for them. It's uh, it's it's definitely a fun thing. I, I've got uh, uh, an endless number of requests from the kids to say, can they come to work with me? You know, and uh, and, and every once in a while I can take them up on that offer because it's uh, it, it is a fun venue to uh, to be able to bring them in and in, you know, it's not a bad office location either, you know, a couple, couple of steps away from seeing some beluga whales or whale sharks and, uh, and, and off we go. So it's a, it's a special place. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I've been down there a handful of times and it is just, it's something to, uh, it's, it's, aw- it's awesome how it all comes together. But uh, in any case, uh, so uh, tell us about yourself. What is your backstory on the, on getting into marketing? That's a uh, that's a really fun uh, a really fun question, guy. And I, I think for me it was uh, it was really growing up in uh, in the Detroit area. Um, if you've never been in the Detroit area, or maybe as a kid in the Detroit area, you are surrounded by things automotive. Anything that you turn around, there's a car part, you know, something going on there. Um, and as a kid, my dad was um, was a merchandising and a marketing guy first at American Motors and then Jeep and then Chrysler. Um, and so if, if, you know, you kind of said like kids thinking their dads were rock stars, I, my, I knew my dad was a rock star uh, at that point in time. And, and I was always fascinated when he would bring um, like the next year's car catalogs home. And so I would, I would immediately run through that catalog and I would check the every single image out. And then I would run out to the driveway and and hold it up next to the car that he had uh, that he had in the driveway, and, and just to just to make sure, like you know, was it a hundred percent? And you know, what's new on this one, and what's new on this one? And I think from that point forward, I was I was hooked in marketing and wanted to be wanted to be part of this entire experience. Um, 
And then I think, you know, as I got, as I got older, I started to pay more attention to the, that, that art and the, and the science and what the balance of marketing started to look like. And, and that really started to get me intrigued to, to understand, you know, this is, this, there's a lot of moving parts in terms of how this makes it happen. And so then while I was in, in college, I got an internship um, at uh, an amazing company called Ross Roy Communications. And it's, uh, it was a, 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 you know, an independent agency back then, um, got folded into the BBDO Omnicom network over time. And while I was there, I knew I just, I threw myself 100% into that role and I wanted to know everything. And, um, and kind of thinking back on that, I probably was the biggest pain in the, I, can we swear on this? Is that all right? The biggest, I was the biggest pain probably for every one of the guys in the agency, because I was that, I was that guy who was like, and how does this work? And what does this do? And, and probably that guy, you know, that was like, drove everybody crazy. But I was just in awe of what that machinery was and how that all worked. And, and, and just taking the, the, the pure concept of we have an idea. And now at the end of the day or at the end of the week, it turned into something magical because of the machinery and the process of, of what those organizations did. So, um, you know, then I guess, I guess fast forward after, you know, a handful of years um, of, of growing and, 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 and jumping up in the agency world. Um, I got the opportunity to, to make that jump um, over to the corporate or the client side of the operation. Um, and, uh, and it was for a pretty amazing brand. I got the opportunity again, like as a, as a car guy, as a kid, you know, growing up in Detroit, I got the opportunity to come uh, move down to Atlanta and work for Porsche Cars North America. And, um, you know, I, I grew up as a kid, I had Porsches on my wall as posters. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and so that's, I guess that's, that's, that's my story of how I got into, got into yeah. marketing. Wow. Well, getting into Porsche and stuff like that, that's uh, fantastic. Um, I mean, and yeah, right, it was, and it we, was... all had, we all had that stuff, uh, you know, at, at home, the posters on the wall and, uh, and whatever. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Cars were, uh, you know, that was such a big thing growing up and then you being right in the middle of it. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And my, it was a, a funny kind of just anecdote story. I remember having the conversation with my wife when, uh, when I, we, I started the interview process with Porsche and, and you know, it's, it felt like it was becoming a, a real, a reality. And she, she made me promise that I wasn't doing it just because of the company car opportunity. And I said, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, let's, uh, let's move away from cars and over to okay. fish. <laughs> cars to fish. We can do that. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be above ground. Now we're going to be below ground. So, uh, 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 so yeah, so tell us about George Aquarium. Uh, you know, one of the things in your, in your bio was about customer experience and, and, uh, you know, and I, that nowadays is such a huge part of the business and certainly a big part of marketing. Yeah. So I guess, you know, starting off like a little bit, uh, yeah, you said, you know, I, I've, I transitioned from, from all things above ground to now things that are, that are below grounded and, uh, at Georgia Aquarium, like talk about a really cool brand, right? Like this is, this is something that's, that's, that's really special. So I am, I'm absolutely honored to be part of the aquarium team. Um, and, you know, you talked about it a little bit in, in my bio, so I don't need to, to get into it, but yeah, I, I have the opportunity to direct all of the marketing advertising uh, for, for the aquarium, um, you know, 
the as we drive down the road you mentioned my, my kids you know we'll drive down the road and they'll see the the uh the the billboards on the side of the road and they're like did you do that one like, yeah i guess i guess we, you know i had a part in that one so um you know but in in short i guess it's you know i look at my role is is the ability to generate demand and excitement for people to want to come to the aquarium and that's that's really what i what i look at how do we make the, the programs and make the advertising and make the, you know, it enticing for somebody who want to come to the aquarium and then really fulfill that user experience. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a magical place when you get there, so make sure that that experience all the way through fulfills that promise. And, and is just, you know, we're excited to get into the building. You would get them there and now let, let the magic of what the aquarium does um, really, really bring that home. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and it, you're right. It is such a, a magical place, and uh, um, and I, I scuba dive and and just getting underwater. But then you'd be able to see it right in front of you like that without having to worry about your air and whatever. And then and seeing animals, you know, when you get when you're scuba diving, it's kind of like a you know all luck as to whether you get to see anything of interest. And and here they are, these beluga whales and the sharks and the and the everything. It's just incredible. It's, so. It is pretty incredible. One thing that is that is so, if you think about like like you said that kind of that scuba dive opportunity, um, you know we're we're 500 miles from the nearest ocean, and we have whale sharks, black you know like any animal you could ever imagine is here in downtown Atlanta, which is is an amazing thing just from a guest to experience. But we actually have the opportunity with with our swim programs and our dive programs that you can go and dive with those whale sharks and you you nailed it is that when if you were to go out into the ocean and 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 book a book a dive tour or something like that you might see some animals you know that when you book the dive program at the aquarium you're gonna see whale sharks you're gonna see manta rays you're going to see like you will see this um and you will see them in an up close uh, and an amazing fashion and it's if, if you haven't done it, Guy, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. We need to put you in the water somehow. I'm ready. <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. That's for I sure. am definitely ready. And, I, you know, it's funny. I had both of my sons. Uh, I got them certified. And uh, one now is a marine biologist. And, uh, and he loves diving. He's like a, the super advanced, whatever it is, level. And uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely have to. Uh, I got to show him up that I can do some cool stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly see we got to get you on the on the on the cool dad of the year trophies <laughs> well i would that would be great i'm ready so uh well you know it's funny uh um the working for a venue and where your your product is the venue and then all of a sudden covid hits and you're shut down and so uh man oh man two years ago so tell us tell us what happened and tell us what uh how you guys came out of it yeah, I yeah, talk about a uh, you know, I, I don't even know the words to describe it, but talk about, you know, a showstopper. It was it was um it was challenging to, you know, to use probably the the most politically correct term um that uh, that's not gonna get it censored. Um it was uh it it was it was a a massive, massive challenge for us. And um uh you know, we all I think we all know the stories, right? We went into this thinking it was two weeks and we'll and we'll be good. And then all of a sudden it was two years. Um, we, this is something maybe a lot of people don't understand is that the aquarium is a nonprofit organization. 
um, and we don't have um, you know subsidize, subsidies subsidies coming from government organizations or or, or uh, you know other other donations. We rely really on our ticket revenue, um, our general admission revenue, to keep the lights on and to uh, and to keep the building moving and to keep the animals healthy. All of the all of the things that go with running an aquarium. Um, so, with being shut down for three months without having guests coming in the building or buying tickets, um, you have zero revenue, um, and it's it was a a massive challenge to figure out how to continue to. Uh, to fund the operation with no revenue coming in um, because we really, like I said, we rely on that ticket sales for, for the daily operation. Um, that forced us to get really creative um, in how do we stay relevant for, um, for the customer and make sure that we um, are something that, you know, we're still top of mind for people to think about. Um, one of the things that we, that we did, right out of the gate, um, we, we leaned into the aspects of the aquarium that could be delivered remotely. Um, like you said, this is a venue. This is a place where people come to interact with us. Um, and so what could we isolate and tease apart to be able to deliver um, in, a, in a virtual or in a remote fashion? And one of the things that came up to, you know, came first was our webcams. And our webcams became a conduit for people to still continue to experience uh, the website. And we saw amazing traffic uh, spikes on our webcams uh, um, that first, that first Friday, that first Saturday in March, you know, years ago, when, when this, when we all shut down, people leaned into our webcams and we, you know, they wanted us to see, you know, what was going on and they, everyone, everyone needed that escape. Everyone wanted to be part of um, something to kind of, uh, you know, experience, you know, normalcy, if you will. Um, so we leaned into those webcams and we delivered that as a way to just stay relevant for people, stay connected, stay top of mind. And then we leaned into and we started to create some other things like virtual tours. So we, we had teams in the building because we still had to have our daily operations. We were taking care of the animals and all of the things that go with that. So we started filming uh, virtual tours and we started giving people the opportunity to still experience the aquarium gallery by gallery through a virtual tour. It was a, you know, a guided tour. Um, and so those were things that we did to try to keep people engaged. Um, and the, the challenge for, for us on the marketing team was really like just that, how do we stay relevant and, and make people want to continue to return and anticipate that eventual return to the building. So we, you know, we, we used all of the, the good tools and, and uh, you know, engagements to be able to get people back and, and just want to care about the aquarium still. Yeah, I could imagine, uh, uh, you know, if you're a, a kid or even an adult and, you know, you got kids or the family and, and you're stuck at home and, and uh, go into the webcams and actually seeing what's going on down there would be a, a very good way to get out of the house without actually having to get out of the house. So very exactly. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We also did, you know, part of part of the uh, one of the, the learnings that we that we un started to uncover was also the connectivity to all of those kids and the students who were now kind of in the same boat as, as the rest of the rest of the world where they were still being you know, asked to go into, you know, do schoolwork, but they were all doing it virtually. And so 
we created a ton, uh, and I mean a ton of virtual learning tools that teachers and students could take advantage of to kind of fill curriculum gaps that they were having. And the webcams was one of those things where a teacher could put the webcams on and stream our webcams for all of her, her dispersed students, uh, or his or her dispersed students, you know, throughout the course of the day. So all of those elements we created, you know, and, and I really just lightly touched on the education part of it, but we have a, a full education team at the aquarium that's focused on how do we deliver STEM, STEAM curriculum back to students. And so using all of those tools, we were able to do that uh, virtually as well. And that, that I think was a really, really important aspect us, for us to stay relevant and overcome some of those, some of those challenges of not having people in the building. Yeah. So, uh, well, that must've had a, a lot of impact on, on, on your, on your metrics, uh, COVID, I mean, and, um, and then, so have you been able to get back to where you were uh, pre-COVID in terms of ticket sales and, or are you still uh, climbing up out of that? We've been knock on, knock on wood. Um, we have been very fortunate. Uh, and when we, we kind of look at, um, at ticket sales, um, and some of those, you know, some of those KPIs or metrics, those at this moment, the, like the top metric that we look at is attendance. Um, and so that's really the, when we measure attendance and success, we have been to a point where we've recovered and we're back to where we were seeing our numbers in, in 2019, you know, prior to the pandemic, uh, pandemic. So it's, um, yeah, we've been, we've been very fortunate to have probably um, you know, primed the pump and filled the funnel up, you know, the, the top part of the funnel up while we were closed and while people were still doing distance and remote. Um, and then when we were able to open the doors and the world starts to come back to life, the attendance figures came back. Um, and we've been, we, we've been able to do that even in um, a limited attendance model um, because we, we still are trying to honor the, the idea that there's some uncomfortableness, if you will. I don't even have the word, but um, we'll go with it. That that people, you know, maybe don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with a ton of people still. Um, and so we've been operating on this limited attendance model where we're trying to maximize that daily attendance so that we can hit the revenue targets that we need, but also give enough of an experience that people are happy to still come to the aquarium and can still see what they want to see. So when we look at like that booking pace throughout the day, um, we look at, at, at opportunities when we're trying to fill in the gaps, like, is there a spot at nine o'clock in the morning that maybe we could, we could have a couple more tickets, um, because, you know, we have a deficiency in, in, in sales there and the building's empty, um, or maybe at the end of the day, as we get, you know, closer to close time, we, we look for those patterns and those purchasing, um, either day to day or week over week. And sometimes we even look at it, like I said, hour to hour to find where we can have optimizations to kind of move some of those needles. But that's, that's really what we're tracking right now and how we, we measure um, an overall, you know, the, the biggest metric of success is, is, is people through the door. And we, we've recovered, like I said, for some, to some extent. Yeah, fantastic. Well, congratulations on that. That's, Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's not an easy task. Um, so are you actually taking reservations for different time slots during the day? Is that, is that how you're doing that? Absolutely. We, um, when we, when we first reopened from the pandemic, 
100% of ticket sales were online through our website. So we kind of look at, um, or at least I do, um, I look at the website, georgiaquarium.org as an e-commerce engine. It's an e-commerce function for the, for the aquarium. And it's, and when we reopened, we reopened with very finite guidelines of how many people could be in the building. And so we built the tools in the back end to push people into time slot reservations. Um, and they were, they were booked and, and bucketed so that we could really pace people through the building. As things started to open up, we've, we've been able to expand the, the, the range of times that are available and then the number of time slots that we go. But to, to that exact question, yes, uh, when someone comes to the aquarium and they, and they purchase their ticket, we ask them first, when do they wanna come? Which day of the week? And then we present them after we know how many tickets they want, we present them with which time slot that they're going to be, that they wanna come into. And it's, it's, it's looking at real-time inventory that we have available. So right now you, it's whatever time it is, you can only look at time slots from this point forward. And if there's, if there's time slots at, at lunchtime that are already full, you might have to be purchasing out at 3 p.m. or something along those lines. Mm. So how do you handle a uh, walk-up then? If uh, or Do you not allow any walk-up, uh, random walk-up or whatever, or do you already adjust for that in your availability of the time slots? When So we so now we do allow, we account for a walk-up ticket sale um, through our kiosks. So we have uh, on-site kiosks, self-service um, kind of touchscreen kiosks. The, the inventory that's allocated to those kiosks is balanced with our online inventory. So we had some tickets to be able to accommodate it. Um, but there's certainly an, an instance where someone were to walk up and expect to come in the building right now, there might not be a time slot for them. So they might see the next available time slot on that kiosk is an hour in the, into the future. Um, so that's why we, we, we've been trying to still push people for the best experience, you want to go to the website, so that way you can really plan your visit. Um, but we know things change, and you know opportunities happen, and someone might want to walk up. So we we accommodate the walk up sale in that in that fashion. But um, it's it's a it's an interesting. Um, I'm definitely not a mathematician, but it's an interesting you know math problem that we have in terms of how many do we allocate for the online within each time slot, and how many are set aside for the kiosks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that balance of the two has uh, got to be pretty tough. And it's almost like you're, um, I guess, two things. One of them, it's now almost revenue management, kind of like booking tickets on a plane or in a hotel and uh, not partially, potentially overbooking, you know, or maybe not, but then um, being able to somehow uh, accommodate that. And then secondly, in your messaging, you know, you don't want to have too many people showing up and being totally disappointed and then not even coming want to come back because ah uh, you know I can't get a, a space there so that it had to have also changed your 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 marketing messaging and how you communicated that to the uh, to your market yeah I think that was a uh, you you nailed it and we we really changed um, when we first came out of you know we maybe backing up a, a moment we were we were fortunate enough to to have um, our senior leadership team all on board with the idea that we can't pause marketing. We can't shut marketing down during the pandemic. Um, and we were able to, to make that, that widely understood throughout the building that if we were to do that, even though it might save us a couple of dollars, 
it would be disastrous in terms of our ability to try to recover from it. So having that messaging still ongoing through the pandemic while we were closed gave us the ability to start to push that narrative of in and that that understanding that book online mm-hmm. and only available online gave us that ability to really direct people to that and start to set that expectation that your tickets are this is the best avenue to get into the building um and had we not done that i it's, i i don't even want to think about what <laughs> what kind of position we'd be in it would be be pretty, I think. Yeah, well, to uh, and also to advertise when you're closed or during the time that you're closed with an uncertain open date, even uh, that's that is uh, that's really tough to uh, and especially when you got no revenue coming in and yet you're 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 sending money out the door on something that uh, is so uncertain moving forward. Man, good good for your leadership team that they that they really saw the the value in that. Yeah, I I, uh, I I was really really happy that um, that everybody was on board with that because you're right it was um, it would have been uh, would have been in bad in, in bad in a bad place for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a data guy, so I got to ask some questions about data. So uh, so what did yeah. your uh, so how did your data and your marketing data and that change as you moved from uh, you know, mid COVID and uh, now into hopefully hopefully into post COVID. Uh, so we, I guess, from a data standpoint, the we still have the same the same data sets, if you will. Um, and we we went kind of just from an evaluation or an understanding of what we were looking at. We went from what we would typically be looking at is is that year over year data, and we were starting to look at just day over day data. So instead of saying, you know, how did I compare to last year, which is what we would have always done. Um, it was an irrelevant discussion. So we so we we moved that evaluation perspective to that day over day. And as long as we were continuing to look at that day over day, were we improving each day? And then we were able to stretch that from, from a day to day to a day to week, a week to week, month to month. And as we started to get more traction in there, we every time we moved the needle incrementally up in terms of our conversion rates and our click-through rates and our you know total visits, um, all of the the digital metrics that are coming through that e-commerce engine, we were able to continue to refine and optimize the tool to say, if you know, let's look at where the button placement is. Let's refine that user flow in terms of how people are navigating through that shopping cart and that purchasing process. So looking for all of those incremental optimizations as that data was telling us let's move this forward, let's move this forward. And our benchmark was, are we doing better than the day before? Are we continuing to do better than we did? And now we're at the point in time where we've, we've come through all of that cycle and I can now look at, go back to kind of that year over year comparison. You know, So is this day in April, is, or whatever day we're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Day, is this day consistent with the same timeframe last year? Um, and so now we're back to that. Let's look for, broader um, broader tactics and broader anomalies if you will yeah that's interesting and i would imagine uh you know and i was thinking about this as you were talking that uh you know when you're saying day over day over day uh, you know you have weekends versus uh weekdays and um and I, I two things i guess one is uh is being you know fully where all your reservations are booked on the weekends but may not be on the weekdays 
And I don't know if that's the case or not, but then looking day over day is you also have to look at uh, not only day over day, but then the week, the week comparables, and then also adjusting for holidays and things like that, because they fall on different days. Yeah, all absolutely all of all of those aspects are part of um, that evaluation criteria. And, and when does, you know, does Easter fall on a certain day of the week? Where does it fall in the mix compared to a spring break time frame? Um, you know, 4th of July, all of those holidays move throughout the day. So it, it becomes a challenge of where are we putting the resources to, to book ourselves in? And, you know, we were, we were really, really excited when we started to see sold out days. Um, you know, so we had, when we started to reopen, we were sold out on the weekends, right? You know, there was no more tickets available, which, you know, a pessimist might tell us, well, you should have sold more tickets. <laughs> you, you left you left revenue on the table, but you know that back to that customer experience concept of it was the right decision to limit that so that the experience was beneficial mm -hmm. for people, and letting people run through that, and then back to you know kind of the data. What are the customer expectations and what's resonating with the customer? We have a a really great feedback loop. Um, that we get from our customers, and we look at that on a daily basis. What is our, you know, our, our net promoter score? Where are we, where are we resonating with individual customers? Are they giving us five star reviews? Are they giving us one star reviews? What aspect of that review do we need to focus in on? Was it, you know, I couldn't find the bathroom. Um, I couldn't find, you know, the parking was, you know, any number of issues we see that on a daily basis and then we can go back in and, and address where we can. So balancing that act of what does the attendance look like? What does the revenue look like? How are we converting people? How are we moving people forward? And then how does that balance with the customer experience? Um, and boxing that all together is, is a really critical piece for us. Well, and then uh, you're right. And uh, you know, that, that balancing of experience versus your marketing strategy and your communications and, you know, I really like that you spent the time while you were closed to start to set those expectations and, you know, to really move to a, a reservation based versus a, just a walk up, a random walk up based. And, um, and that really, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big change. And, and, you know, kudos to you that you got it. Sounds like you really got it right. And it's really, really functioning very well. I, I I'm not going to take anything for granted, but it, <laughs> We were, yeah, we're in a good spot right now. And uh, I, I would never say that we got it, we got it right because we're continuing to, to optimize, but we're in a really good spot. We're in a good mm. spot where we're at, so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little superstitious guy. <laughs> All right, I won't ask. So, okay, so you didn't do a good job, but you're always improving. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Continual improvement is part of measurement. So uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how about uh, your, uh, you know, marketing ROI? How did, uh, how have you uh, seen that recover? And, uh, you know, now as you're actually getting revenue and you can tie it to your, to your media and, and your media activities, uh, how are things going that way? Uh, all of the, all the metrics that we're seeing from our, our advertising and our, and our, our paid, our paid engagements, you know, our, our, our display banner search, um, all of those, we have an extremely positive um, ROI on it. Um, and, um, and we've been, I think part of that really comes back to, we set, we, we set that stage for ourselves to be successful by 
having people engage with our web content and then priming ourselves to be able to do remarketing activities back out to them post-engagement. Have they visited the website? Did they look at the webcams? And then really setting an expectation for people. Um, so the engagement with the aquarium wasn't a surprise for us or for them. Um, and so it made it, it made it a lot easier for us to have that secondary contact and that, and that remarketing effort with them. So yeah, we've been seeing um, great, um, great uh, ROAS, great ROI on, on all of our marketing efforts. And even to the idea that we were really almost 100% digital in terms of our ad space, where we were only display and only search, um, with the exception of um, our, our out-of-home um, engagements, the, the billboards, mm. into the idea that TV and, and video and radio still works for us. So, we, so we're looking at that as, as a holistic set in terms of our, our, our pure marketing message is that all of those activities work together to reach and resonate with the consumer. So, um, you know, in the, in the past where we were able to and I say, we're a hundred percent digital and it's, and it's a great thing. Um, I can't say we're a hundred percent digital anymore, but we we've, we've added the elements to the, to the marketing mix to give us that additional presence and to, and to let people see like, you know, seeing aspects of the aquarium on your TV from your living room, um, and it may be giving you that moment of pause while you're seeing all of the other advertising and, and news products and, and things that are on the TV. Maybe there's a moment of solace and there's a moment of real that happens when people um, kind of see our, our ad on the TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's no question that uh, balancing, I mean, even balancing the digital media uh, platforms amongst themselves, but balancing then the traditional and the and the digital is uh, is definitely a challenge, and that's that's one of the things that we try and you know help our clients with because there's clearly interplay between uh, the traditional overlaid over the digital, and then you know the top of the funnel digital versus the bottom of the funnel digital. So, yeah, that's a that's definitely a, a an area of uh, of good topic anyway. Yeah, it's 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 definitely one that um, you know it's some 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 folks might say it's you know it's kind of marketing one hundred and one kind of things, but you. You, you put your message out there where the consumers are going to be wanting to see it, right? Or where your consumers are, are engaged in it. So let's take that opportunity to, to engage them. And we know that there's plenty of people who are, you know, who are on the internet and using webs, web content. We can be available to them. Search is, is absolutely like, you know, table stakes, right? Like we're there. Mm. But let's also give them the ability, you know, if they're, they're streaming services, we, we can be on those streaming services. We can be on mobile. We can be on desktop. We can be on, you know, that large, you know, you probably got a 90 inch, you know, mod, you know, TV screen in your family room, like all sorts of good stuff. So we want to, you know, on my desk here, this is my monitor on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good yeah. space though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, but one thing too, it's uh, interesting, you know, you talk about search and uh, search is, search is a, a tricky beast uh, because it's, it's kind of the response mechanism. It's a dependent kind of a, of a media channel. Uh, you know, and I was, we were just talking about this with one of our other clients. You've got kind of people that just go to search because they want to have something to do. And then you have uh, people that are triggered to go to search based on advertising. And that advertising could be you or it could be somebody else. And then they go to search. And then mm -hmm. the problem is now you got, you know, three or four different options there in terms of um, in terms of being paid search for us or paid search for the competition. 
organic search for us and then organic search for the competition. And to get that balance right is, is uh, I think it's a, it, I, don't, I don't think too many companies have actually been able to really do that very successfully. Yeah, it, it is. It is a balancing act for sure, and I think you 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 started to allude to it. It's there's a lot of art um, that balances that science of where you know what is the right spend level and what is the right right messaging to to be able to make sure that those algorithms are pushing your content higher up in 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 the you know in the search right. return. Because right. with without that, you know, you're paying you're paying way too much money to try to get yourself at the top of the list. When I can balance organic and paid on that same search results page and probably drive even more effective traffic, because if it's an organic result, you know, are people now trained to kind of skip through the ad content and look for the organic result? So let's make sure that the site itself is um, is optimized and is is pinging on all those keywords. And we've got we've got a really fortunate um, experience with the website because we have so much scientific content. We have animal guides for every one of the animals that are on the on the on the page or on, on the website. So we have that ability for somebody who is just searching, you know, if they typed in the scientific name for whale shark, I'm I'm hoping that our page shows up near the top of the list. Um, you know, so if it's a kid doing a research project for school or um, somebody who's just fascinated with whale sharks, I want the Georgia Aquarium's whale shark page to be at the top of the list. And then drive them into an experience that's going to be more fulfilling than just I did my research, but I can now understand what the aquarium's doing for research and conservation and to support the animals and to support those whale sharks. So we really start to paint that big picture for people from that, you know, that simple search term. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's kind of like more on the brand as opposed to uh, and building the brand and the brand equity as opposed to you know, trying to get people to move down the funnel and convert today. So uh, very, very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, it is it is an interesting. And I think, you know, it's it's a tricky conversation to have from, from an ads standpoint to say, you know, if we're measuring an ROI or, an, or, or a ROAS type of an experience, it's okay to just let people engage in your content, um, you know, and not have to have that transaction happen. So you know, if, you know, if we're, we're seeing conversion rates, which are, which are fantastic for us, um, could they be better? Of course, but is it working for us? Because are we fulfilling other needs in terms of research and education and just that brand promise? Are we building a brand while we're creating that experience for people? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, well, let me uh, change this topic here real okay. quick and then we'll uh, close out. Uh, you uh, are a part-time marketing instructor. Tell us about that. Ah, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know what got in my head that I was like, I think I could do this. I think I wanted to be one of those cool professors that had the sleeves, you know, <laughs> and that walked around campus with a pipe or something. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, um, I, uh, I, I thought it would be a, a fun thing to kind of do. And, uh, and so I, you know, every once in a while, I'll dabble in doing some part-time marketing instruction and uh, yeah it's a uh, um, it's an, it's interesting to kind of hear from students and and kind of demonstrate the work that we can do and how all of that textbook stuff that, that people are seeing really comes to life in terms of you know the the real world what we're doing you know at Georgia Aquarium how mm -hmm. that relates to the to the concepts that are being taught in um, in, uh, in in the coursework so 
bringing that, you know, that real life example to, to a conversation. You know, if I have 30 students on a Zoom call, I can bring that real life example from either my current experiences or past experiences and, and really just make it, bring it to life for people. And they understand, you know, real world examples as opposed to, you know, a case study that might or might not be, you know, um, in that, in that textbook. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. Uh, I'm kind of like you. I, I do some teaching over at Emory uh, once a semester for like three different classes one day. And and one of the things that uh, that my friend who is the uh, the professor of that uh, of that course, uh, one of the things that we do is that we are we're not only bringing uh, the experiential side in a real life case study, but we're also bringing uh, the most modern or as close to the most modern techniques or whatever that are out there, uh, as opposed to, and nothing wrong with the professor. I mean, you, there, you can read a lot, but it's not the same as actually doing and then explaining it. So it, uh, you know, it does offer a whole lot more value to the, uh, to the students to, to get that online life, you know, real life kind of experience. I, I, I agree 100%. Like that is, you know, that real life experience and being able to connect the dots, um, you can almost sometimes, you know, feel that light bulb moment where it, can, you know, it, it crosses over all the right synapses and it's there for the students and it, and it, and it, and it goes off. And then selfishly too, um, it helps, I think, I don't know, maybe you share a similar experience, Guy, but it helps me kind of put all of the right pieces in place because if, if I can explain it to in a way that now clicks with with a student, then that means that I've I've got it locked in. And then how can we continue to move it forward? So I think it helps me continue to grow as a marketer as well and and understand, you know, what are the what are the challenges that they're seeing or what is what is their experiences in, in kind of coming into this? Because I I will never say that I've got all the answers, <laughs> but I can I can connect some of those real and relevant experiences to the to to the back end there. Yeah, and I I, I agree hundred percent. And even when I'm putting the slides together, and uh, or updating the slides or whatever, I realize ah, you know that's I that's how you explain this. And then you get in there and you're actually talking about it. Then you go, you know, another aha moment comes up where that you go, no, I should have explained it that way, and it would have been you know that just that much more clear. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it might be cliche, but I think there is instances where I'm, I'm learning more mm -hmm. from the students and from being part of that bigger dialogue than, than I, that I'm probably in providing into the dialogue. And so I, you know, that's, that was a, you know, a really interesting kind of, and a happy accident, if you will, as it kind of comes out of that, comes out of that dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I definitely agree with that, and I've definitely seen that. And I used to do a lot of teaching and uh, a lot more, and it 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 really does uh, get you to be able to explain things so much better. So, uh, well, listen. Um, uh, anything else uh, that we left off that you'd like to mention, or I mean, we could talk about uh, we could talk about beer. Uh, we could talk about wine. Um, <laughs> I. I can't think of anything um, anything else that uh, that's kind of hanging out there that we didn't that we didn't address. But I'm 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 game if you've got other questions or other other thoughts you want to hit. No, I think that's uh, that's it. We're about out of time, and I, okay. you know, I I I hate to say it, I could probably go on for another hour because I could, uh, you know, it's so hard to uh, you know get into uh, in to limit the topic and then be able to 
cover you know a certain level versus the depth that you can go into but uh anyway you. yeah so well thank you uh, so much and uh uh and and really uh, the uh, you know georgia aquarium is such a um such a, a venue and then to uh, like for you to be able to be part of the marketing it's uh you know as you mentioned it must be really exciting and and, and exciting for your kids so it's 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 a it's a it's a true honor to be able to be part of the team for such an amazing brand and i've been i've been blessed and, and fortunate to work for amazing companies um over the course of my career um so it's uh yeah it's it's an honor and then just to have the ability to talk to talk to you um and this forum guy like it's it's been fantastic so i i appreciate you um you know making some time for me to just you know kind of have this conversation it's been fantastic yeah, thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much for that. And, uh, and thank you for participating. And uh, with that, then uh, let me close out. So for everybody, please stay tuned uh, for many other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing. Please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com to download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And if you get a chance, please also uh, rate the podcast with five stars. And definitely go to georgiaaquarium.org and see all the really, really cool stuff that uh, is out there at Georgia Aquarium. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Thanks, Guy. I appreciate it.